Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 154 of At Oz with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, it's been a busy week for you. Yeah, you know what? My First things first, my voice is back. Second, uh, I survived the Mad Basis going away party. And uh, I made a an appearance, a, an award-winning appearance, if I might say so myself, on IWTV Guide. I'm very grateful to Charlie Butters and Jayhawk for having me on, but had a pretty good week. Well, let's walk all that back. I didn't know you lost your voice. Well, last week I was uh, I was pretty like unfit for podcasting. I was coughing all over the place. My voice was starting oh, to give up. Oh, oh, yeah. I'm like, no, you sounded fine, but you know, you had a cough. You just had to mute yourself. It's no big deal. Yeah. Um. So you made it out of the Mad Bassists uh, bands going away party on Saturday. Did uh, your dining room set make it out alive? <laughs> Uh, let's just say that, you know what, I am prepared to just replace any plates that need to be replaced. Uh, I know what I'm getting into, uh, that plates may disappear at random, and I'm okay with that at the moment. Even as adults, for the very longest time, uh, my wife and I would go to your Dollar Generals or your Family Dollars or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And as long as they had, like, a ton of them, you know, like a matching set, let's say like 20 or 30 of the matching set. Yeah. We would just go and buy like all of that. So if like something broke or something got shitty, like who cares? You paid like five bucks for like 20 plates or whatever it was, you know? And then I think maybe within the last like three or four years, my wife is like, no, I want to get like a nice matching set of everything. And I'm like, oh, whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I can't buy a bunch of plates for the kitchen cabinets because I, I have to start using the extra cabinet space for, like, toys because I'm running out of room. And I don't want to get a storage unit yet. Yet. Uh, a temperature-controlled storage unit at that. Of course. <laughs> and, of course, uh, your appearance on IWTV Guide talking about King of Trios Night 3 2005, which was uh, the show that you attended with Wiccafaze and Todd. And uh, you did really good. You were very funny on the show. Uh, you didn't do a seven-hour epic like I do, but you did a very <laughs> good job of controlling the conversation. And I think being on this show helped that. Oh, yeah. I, I appreciate the the feedback there. But I, I obviously, I made the joke at the beginning that I would not make it uh, a, a Joe Sposto level of three-hour <laughs> podcast. But... I also found myself talking and talking and talking and then kind of thinking back and being like, did I really say anything for the last five minutes or was I just talking to hear my own voice? So it's a little bit of both. Uh, but I had a great time on the show, obviously, as well as rewatching that Chikar show. Go and check out the podcast if you haven't listened to it yet about just how many things I didn't realize I was seeing at the time that now I'm, I regret not uh uh, taking advantage of savoring, you know, just appreciating, you know, in 2015. Yeah, it's pretty crazy that, like, you went to that show that would have been, like, six years ago. Yeah. And what are we coming up on, like, the three-year anniversary of this podcast here in, like, a week or two? Yeah. So you had, like, a three-year window there where, like, you you dipped your toes in the world of, like, independent wrestling. And you're like, eh, not for me yet. We'll come yeah. back. <laughs> Wasn't quite ready yet. You know, that's what it was. Right. And, you know, it's obviously it's tough, especially with Shakar. You know, you, you're jumping in in the middle of a story. Yes. You know, it, it can be uh, overwhelming or intimidating to a new viewer. But uh, 
definitely, I, I say this all the time in this podcast. If I can go back, there'd be so much stuff that I would have loved to have become a fan of. Yeah, and, you know, I know a lot of times I'll listen to, um, you know, I know Tim and Marcus over at Final Wrestling Place. They've been, you know, they kind of get, just because they're younger than us, they've been wrestling fans, I'd say, almost consistently. But then you hear over on We Need Wrestling, where DJ and Brett, more so DJ, kind of fell out of wrestling for periods of time. And I think to myself, like, there's parts of WWF that I don't recall in, like, the mid, like, let's say from, like, 05 to, like, 2009, 2010, let's say. Mm. But the reasons for that were I was watching so much other stuff that I didn't have time for WWE. And where I where I live, I had direct TV and whatever station, like, I think at that time SmackDown was maybe on, like, my network TV or some shit. Or, like, UPN or something. That right, and we didn't, didn't and direct TV didn't have it. So it didn't air on Friday nights. It aired sometimes on Saturday nights. Mm. And it was never the same time. And if it was a baseball game, there'd just be no SmackDown. Yeah. Um. So it just, it, you were a wrestling fan, but there was just like, it wasn't as spread out, I guess, your fandom, you know? Yeah, I, I wasn't, my interest in overall wrestling might have been waning and I wasn't looking to take on new clients, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I did, uh, you know, like I said, you were really good on the show. You were really funny. Thank you. Um, you weren't, uh, to- you know, you were saying that you talk sometimes just to hear yourself talk. And I think I do that a lot myself, but it's one of those things in my head where as I'm saying stuff, it's like, oh, shit, I just said a whole bunch of other stuff. And I may have gotten away from the point that I was initially attempting to make. So oh, I need yeah. to, like, kind of recap my initial point, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely found myself doing that. You're rubbing off on me, Joe. In, in good ways, in good yes. ways, I hope. Yes, definitely. So, um, the however, the pinnacle of the show, and again, no spoilers, you have to listen to yourself. Um, when you your review of the Boar versus uh, Heidi match, <laughs> I'll take how many bumps the Boar took in that match. And again, I don't want to spoil it. Go listen to the episode of IWTV, whether it's over at soon-to-be-named-network.com, or it'll be linked directly right here in the show notes for this episode. But I'll just say this, the boar has been a wise man for his entire career. Oh, yeah. Started off on the good foot on that right there. Right. And I didn't talk about it on uh, the podcast. I had uh, uh, in-depth conversations with the boar regarding that match. And uh, <laughs> uh, it's very interesting, like, just how the match was put together and stuff like that and just his thoughts on it. I won't share any of that here, but maybe he'll, you know, slide into the boar's DMs. Maybe he'll talk to you about it if you're interested. Well, listen, it's twice this week that it'll have come up on, you know, whether it be soon-to-be-named network shows or at least adjacent shows. Um, I'm sure this will be the impetus for maybe the board to talk about it or someone to talk about it on the board's behalf. Yeah. And he was on Hit My Music this week. So uh, it's a bore week. It's a it's a, it's a an Adam week. You guys have to share. <laughs> oh, that, that's two big boys. There's a lot of... Uh... I don't know how you're going to fit us both in there, but... Well, that's one big boy. Let's not go crazy. (laughs) Listen, everybody else has bought into your hype as the the world's littlest hoss. And I just think that everyone's just so used to um, uh, people either being little tiny twigs or morbidly obese. So when they see, like, a normal average-sized human, everyone's (laughs) like, oh, my goodness, is this like a Ritz cracker? This ain't no regular saltine, you know? Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, plus, I, I haven't referred to myself as the world's smallest hoss in a long time. I feel like I've moved on to the $100 Vansky. I've been repackaged. I agree. Right. I like the rebranding. Yes. <laughs> got to keep it fresh. Got to be able to sell new merch. And now, At Odds with Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. Let's get into this day in wrestling history. I feel as though this could get away from us. Oh, all right. All right. So uh, this day in wrestling history in 1992, uh, World Championship Wrestling held uh, Clash of the Champions 20, celebrating 20 years of professional wrestling on TBS, the Superstation. Uh, a kind of like weird card. It was kind of in the midst of the Bill Watts era, still kind of getting its footing. Um, kind of like I said, kind of like a nothing happening card. You know, the stuff that I'm like, okay, that looks interesting. Like Ricky Steamboat versus Steve Austin for the TV title, Arn Anderson and Bobby Eaton versus Dick Slater and Greg Valentine in 1992. I'm like, okay. Uh, Cactus Jack taking on Ron Simmons as the champion. I'm with you. And then, like, the main event was a four-on-four elimination match of Sting, Nikita Koloff, and the Steiner brothers taking on Big Van Vader, Rick Rude, Jake the Snake Roberts, and the Super Invader. Oh, top of the class there, Super Invader. (laughs) Again, things kind of fall off. Super Invader was Hercules Hernandez doing, like, a Taiwanese, like, kickboxer gimmick. (laughs) Uh, But the significance of the show uh, is this was Andre the Giant's last American television appearance. Yeah, you know what? I was wondering if, because based on the rest of that card, I definitely feel like I saw this in my early days of WCW. This might have been, like, the first WCW, like, mega show with you know slash pay-per-view whatever that i recorded onto vhs you know it was obviously like everybody else you'd record whatever you could and i I remember that uh uh poor andre was not looking good at that time no no and he would pass uh maybe about five four months later maybe five months later uh you know he had been in bad shape for many many years and i saw someone online say that if andre was able to still remain alive until Hogan going to WCW, we absolutely would have gotten Andre versus Hogan one more time in uh, WCW, and that would have been the saddest thing in the world. Yeah. So also on this day in wrestling history in 2002, on an episode of Monday Night Raw, after, at the time, WWE champion Brock Lesnar, who was able to go back and forth between both shows, was signed exclusively to SmackDown. Eric Bischoff, instead of holding a tournament, Brought back out for the first time on TV since December, no, since April of 2001, the WCW Big Gold Belt Mm. to be the world title and awarded it to Triple H. I don't know why, like, this was in my, like I said before, kind of my starting to lose interest in WWE for a little while. And I hated Triple H. I hated the the power trip, you know, the the, the couple with Stephanie and, and Hunter. And for whatever reason, it just really bothered me. I get that it was supposed to be like heel heat stuff, but this started my era of just being like, fuck Triple H, stupid Triple H, you know, when he was just gifted the belt. And I, unreasonably so, you know, it really irked me. So the part that 
I hated more about this. Now I was still watching. I was still more of a, I was more of a SmackDown person, of course, at this time. Um, but this is when Triple H started like folding all the other belts into the world title. Like he beats Kane in a month when Kane's the Intercontinental Champion, and they get rid of the Intercontinental title. Uh, I think he beats RVD and then like folds the Hardcore title into this belt. So there's like a period of time where like the only belt that's on Raw is the belt that Triple H holds that's absorbed all the other belts. Hmm. Yeah, no, I remember that now. That uh, I completely forgot that we had a time where there was no Intercontinental Champion. Like, who cares about the Hardcore belt? But you know. You get me, though. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Plus, it's like, it's just an, a complete ego trip that it's like, hey, there could be no other champions on this brand other than me. I'm the top guy. Yeah. Fuck Triple H. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, also on this day in wrestling history in 2016, Chikara held King of Trios Night One from the Easton Funplex. Uh, which saw this following card. Uh, the team of Major League Mustache, Dasher Hatfield, Trent Seven, and Tyler Bate taking on the Petiri. Oh. Uh, Juan Francisco De Coronado, Prakash Sabar, and the Boar taking on Bill Carr, Dick Justice, and Officer Warren Barksdale. More on that match later. Uh, the Colony taking on the Submission Squad, Davey Vega, Gary J, and Pierre Abernathy. Uh, Jazz, Mickey James, and Victoria taking on Candice Lorette, Mary Dobson, and Solo Darling. Uh, the Hexed Men of Hollow Wicked, Icarus, and Jigsaw taking on Just a Lot of Ants, the <laughs> Bullet Ant, Missile Assault Man, and Worker Ant. Uh, Commando Bolshai, Hanko Nakamori, and Manami Katsu taking on Amasis, Ophidian, and Argus. Uh, Cassandra Miyagi, Dash Sachako, and Mako Satamora taking on Heidi Loveless and NRG of Hype Rockwell and Race Jackson. Uh, two, uh, energy drink loving boys. The, uh, what's, what does Todd call Electric Monkey? He calls it something. I have no idea. I don't listen to your show. Uh, and then in the main event, Princess Kimberly, Thunderfrog, and Oleg the Usurper took on Team Cruiserweight Classic of Cedric Alexander, Drew Gulak, and Johnny Gargano. I feel like, you know, obviously we were just talking about King of Trios a minute ago. I don't want to go to, or if I had my choice again, I would not want to go to night one. There's way too many trios matches. How dare they put so many trios matches in a thing called King of Trios? <laughs> right. Well, round one is all that. And then, yeah. you know. Yeah, I think uh, you know, we'll be interested to see in a couple of years when we're talking about a night two when it lines up. But I feel night threes are the sweet spot. You know, you don't get too much. Okay. But more importantly that I haven't mentioned. Um... This was also the Chikara debut of the new anchor of the commentation station, Joey Styles. About time they upgraded that spot. <laughs> oh, boy. So what story would you like to hear first? The Joey Styles story or would you like to hear the story about that match I mentioned? Uh, you know what? Let's save the Joey Styles for last. So let's go with the match. Okay. 
Build so, up. Uh, so this match, Juan Francisco, Prakash Sabar, and the Boar taking on Bill Carr, Dick Justice, and Officer Warren Barksdale. The heel team is entitled the United Nations. The babyface team is Team Police Squad because they all have cop gimmicks, right? Sure, of course. So you have to bear with me in the way that I'm going to tell the story because it, it 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 has to go this way, okay? Yep. Uh, Chikara is a comedy promotion. These are primarily comedy characters for the most part, uh, especially the police characters. There's a bit in the match where all the cop characters draw finger guns on the heel characters in the match. Like, <laughs> you're under arrest sort of thing. We're police, yeah. but we're pretending that our fingers are guns, right? Sure, stick them up, yeah. There's a bit where I think maybe somebody gets bumped and they pretend as though the gun gets thrown in the air and they're watching the gun flip in the air, right? It's no different than, say, like the invisible grenade or anything like that, right? Yep. So the next day, night two of King of Trios, before the show, there's always a meeting. Quack gets everyone together and then gives the people that were in that match a dressing down in front of everyone because he had received many complaints about something that they did in their match that would not fit into uh, his idea of what PG professional wrestling is. Uh, he was upset at them all for going into business for themselves. Um, he gives them his opportunity, and they go ahead and just do whatever they want in flagrant of the rules and everything else that he's set out. And if they were going to do such a spot like this, they would have to clear it with him. Now, I'm going to pause here for a second. Um, so, Mike was reacting to a spot that he did not see, a spot that he was told about, okay? Mm -hmm. um, so, I had free time night one, so uh, I saw <laughs> everything that happened. And uh, so, Mike was putting this over as though several people... Uh, many people were upset by this and asked for refunds and complained and everything like this. I saw what happened. I was working the door that night. Exactly three people got up, okay? Yeah. One of them is a person that I knew who had traveled a great distance, and uh, he's another story for another day unrelated to any of this. And I went out into the hallway to check on him to make sure everything was okay. And he said to me, and I quote, seeing police officers hold guns, even fake ones, on a team of minorities, I feel as though I'm having a panic attack. Again, three people got up. One was this person, the other two were this person's girlfriend, and the person who was driving them around that weekend. So during the meeting, I got up, and I explained to Mike and the entire crew, this is what happened in the match. A spot that these three characters have done dozens of times in other promotions, spots that I have seen done similarly here in Chikara, and there's never been a problem. And I go, and there wasn't many people who complained, there was three people, one of which said that they were having a panic attack. But again, this is exactly what they said. And not a single person asked for a refund. I would know. Yeah. Um, 
so I think this was an instance of Mike trying to show off and pull rank on the people involved in this match. And, uh, you know, I had been in Chikara at this point for 11 years. So I felt as though I could stand up and say something and kind of correct the record um, regarding all of this. Okay. I, I mean, I can I can see the standpoint of the person that you spoke to in the hallway. Yes. You know, just given, you know, the, the racial implications of it. But also, you know, fuck quack for trying to grandize it and, like, you know, make more out of it than it was. But And, and put everybody, as I assume he did the dressing down, you said, in front of everybody? In the locker room, I mean? Well, it's like the show meeting. Like, everybody has to come around the ring so everyone's together, you gotcha. know? Yeah, so it wasn't like he took them aside. He took the, the parties aside. It was basically in front of the entire locker room. No, so as is my understanding, he actually spoke to the parties involved privately before the meeting and did not bring any of this up to them. Okay. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. He waited until it was in front of everybody. Correct. Yeah. Bush League shit. So the uh, Joey Style stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, you're talking to someone who saves his receipts on everything, right? <laughs> yes. Um, if you did something, if you said something, if you did whatever, um, let's say within the last, like, seven, eight years, I got you. I got you covered. I don't forget. Okay? Yeah. So, uh, the story I've mentioned before, but it starts earlier in the year 2016, where um, I said to Mike, I said, hey, listen, uh, you know... I feel as though I'm being taken for granted on the shows that it's just like, oh, Joe's always going to be there. I, I feel as though, like, if you need me on the show, you need to, like, kind of contact me and book me like you would do any other talent, right? Absolutely. So for the first four months of 2016, I'm not contacted at all by Mike. Um, So it's not, I don't, do, and I, during that time, I end up missing, um, I end up missing Brian Myers coming to do a horror show, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, like, we were kind of bummed that we kind of missed paths with each other being there, but I wasn't booked, right? Yeah. So uh, then in May, he contacts me and says, I need you for this show. This is what we're going to do, okay? Okay. Mm -hmm. And in between that time, they were doing a UK tour. Uh, I was not being flown over for that, of course, and this was at the time where they were kind of flip-flopping between doing commentary and post and then going back to doing commentary live. So I go to the June shows, and I see that I have, like, one match. And the next time that I go, I have, like, no matches. Or, no, I have two matches. And I say to Mike, I'm like, hey, you know, uh, I'm here. You know, you're paying me. I could do more commentary, right? Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, no, we need you to take care of the front of the house. That's that's very important. I say, well, by intermission, you know, the flow of people has kind of stopped. I could do any other matches you want. It was also around this time that Mike was tweeting out that he was doing seminars at the Wrestle Factory to teach people how to do commentary. <laughs> and I said to Mike, I said, hey, with this seminar coming up of you teaching people how to do commentary, it's it's almost like I'm being phased out. And he says, no, no, that's not the case at all. So don't get booked for the July shows or the August shows. Uh, then 
the Monday before trios, I get an email from Mike that simply says the subject of the email is Friday. And it just says, Joe, couple things for this Friday. Brush up on your Joshi knowledge. You'll be commentating at least one of their matches this weekend. Please wear your Sunday best. Be there at 4.30 on Friday. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then Thursday, I'm alerted to several people tweeting at me while I'm dropping my kid off at daycare uh, <laughs> that Chikara has just announced debuting Friday at King of Trios is the new anchor of the commentation station. I, up till this point, had been the anchor of the commentation station. Everybody gets their value proposition, you know? Sure. Um, so that Joey Styles is now going to be the anchor of the commentation station. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, that's interesting. You know, he's been popping up here and there. He did, like, Evolve, and he did a Beyond show. I'm like, okay. Uh, that'll be cool. I'll get to call a match or two with Joey Styles. That'll be interesting. Uh, you know, ECW fan is a big deal. So sure. I get there on Friday. I'm always early, you know, call time's 4.30. I'm there 3.30, you know. And I go in the back and I see the lineup and I see the commentary sheet and I got no matches on Friday. It's Joey Styles call the whole night. Different people intermittent with him, uh, Bryce and Gavin and Mike himself. No me. And I'm just kind of there staring at it, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, as I'm looking at the people coming up, checking out their match and Friends of mine uh, are like, huh, you're not calling any match with Joey Styles tonight. Figured you'd be calling a bunch of matches with them tonight. And I'm like, so did I. Mm-hmm. And I must have had about 10 people come up to me and say that. And, uh, at, you know, by the third or fourth person, I'm like, I don't make the decisions of who, who uh, calls matches. There's somebody else you should be asking why I'm not doing a commentary, right? Yeah. So Saturday rolls around. I got no commentary on Saturday. Uh, Sunday rolls around. I think I had three of the matches out of eight, right? Yeah. So, uh, again, Joey Styles dug his own grave uh, this uh, the following November and was pretty much persona non grata and completely ghosted himself from all of professional wrestling. Um, but I just feel as though this year, specifically 2016, was the year that Mike tried real hard to push as many people out of Chikara as he possibly could. And he was very successful at doing so. Yeah. Uh, There was a lot of people who, whether it be in the middle of the year or by the end of the year, um, you know, maybe even a little bit early 2017, were done. Just kind of sick and tired of his bullshit. And it was one of those, it was one of those shows, um, coming up here was, so I don't get, I don't think there was anything else and I'd have to look at the entire schedule, but I think after trios, there was nothing else in September. Uh, the next set of shows was the first weekend in October. Um, and I got an email for a car load. It was myself, um, hollow wicked frightmare Icarus. We're going. And I kind of made a thing to myself that I'm like, if I go to the show, I was contacted, I'm booked, I'm coming to the show. And, th- and I want to make that clear. Even though I was just working the door and essentially doing nothing, I was still being paid, right? Yeah, sure. But it was just the way that Mike kind of handled things 
where earlier in the year I said, hey, I want to like kind of not be taken for granted and booked. And then I wasn't booked for four months. And then I come in in June and I only have a match or two here. And I bring up the seminar for replacement commentators. And he says, no, you're not being replaced. Then I don't get booked for another month. And then I'm replaced by Joey Styles. Hmm. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to the show. And I'm going to see if I have commentary. And if I have commentary, if I don't have commentary, I'm telling Mike, this is my last night. I'm done. For all of these reasons. Yeah. And I got to the shows in October. I had no commentary. I actually had a lot of time to talk to a lot of people, made a lot of friends that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as the show was over and I was waiting for everyone else to wrap up and get dressed. And uh, Mike went to hand me my envelope. I said, we're okay. I go, Mike, I'm just letting you know tonight's my last night. Uh, I go, if I can't, if you're not going to book me for commentary and not at least not going to be upfront about it. We're going to part ways here. Um, but yeah, so this is the, uh, this was like the anniversary of like the end of the middle of the beginning of my end in Chikara. Yeah. Cause I mean, obviously I'm sure you share the sentiment. It's one thing to, to hit the road and just, you know, be away from your family for so much time to, to do something like contribute to the show right? You know, and be on commentary, even if it's for a match or two. And it's another thing to like, no disrespect to the people that do the shit, you know, behind the scenes and everything, but you're not going to drive eight hours to, to hold the cash tail, you know? And then obviously, like you said, the deceptive way of just not being upfront about it has got to suck. I, I hear these stories, you know, from indie wrestlers on podcasts all the time about, you know, anybody who tried to stand up to quack or know their worth, you know, usually got snuffed out pretty quick. Right. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, this does not go for just quack, but know your worth. Um, that's really the only thing that I could say in today's world of independent wrestling or any sort of wrestling, know your worth or any job at all. Yeah. But I think when you have like, and again, not to say that there's people who make their living from independent wrestling or wrestling period. Um, but I will say, um, independent wrestling, I think may, and this might come up later, who knows, um, feels as though independent wrestling kind of preys on people's insecurities a little bit more than others. Sure. Yeah. So that's it. Hopefully there's that I'm all ranted out. So any other things that I had, uh, (laughs) remarks or concerns about will, uh, I won't have the steam later. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fair enough. Just taking a drink of water. Hey, let's get into what we liked and didn't like in the last seven days of professional wrestling. Adam, I'm going to throw it over to you to start. All right. I'll go ahead and I'll start things off with a like. Very recent like. And this is from AEW Dynamite just last night. And I don't know if it opened up the show proper, but it was darn near near the beginning. But we saw a promo. From Red Death, Daniel Garcia in 2.0, which I thought, hey, this is great. What more can you ask for than to have a 2.0 promo on national television? But they upped it another notch, Joe. They had your boy Phil come out, and then he got jumped and beat down by 2.0 and and Garcia, which, uh, again, we talk about this over and over and over again. You got some guys that, 
you know, NXT had nothing for or NXT didn't really think was was worth the money or whatever the heck the reason was. And then they are not only feuding with uh, Sting and Darby Allen, but they're beating the hell out of the hottest act in all of AEW. Uh, just huge, huge pop. Oh, they attacked Tay Conti and I missed it? No, no, more on her maybe later. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I said uh, the hottest male act, uh, the most popular That's headline one. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, but yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, obviously, uh, I, I never would have thought, you know, when they were feuding with Dollar King a couple months ago that they'd be beating down Phil from Chicago on national television. So that is my first like this week. You know what? Not uh, so Dynamite top to bottom was great this week, right? Okay. Uh, really liked the episode and it was tough for me to pick, but I'll. We don't cross over, but I'll throw my like from uh, Dynamite this past week. And that was not the main event, the eight-man match with uh, the Bucks and the Anderson and Gallows and the Jurassic Express and the Lucha Brothers. But it was the go-home angle to end the show uh, with the heels bringing down the cage, keeping everyone else out. Um, putting the beat down on all the, the, the baby faces and Christian in there as well. Um, you know, there's nothing better than a hot heat segment to like, as your go home. And even though like rampage is this Friday and that's technically the go home, but, uh, nothing makes me happier going into a pay-per-view than like the heels standing tall over everyone, you know? Yeah. What you 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 don't mean that you don't feel the same way when you're watching like the raw go home show and it's like. You know, MVP saying something about Bobby Lashley, and it's like, hey, Drew McIntyre's here, and yay, Sheamus, and this is all going to be really unique and exciting. You don't feel the same way? Guys standing up and looking at each other, holding a belt up, wondering what's going to happen. Like, I don't know. Like, (laughs) let's fight now, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it's just amazing how, like, it's not complicated what AEW does, you know, or really most promotions do, but it just seems like a a lost art. You know, to have like these hot segments to go towards a pay-per-view or to to build to the next week of show. Um, The the bare bones of professional wrestling is easy. Yeah. If you're a wrestling fan worth any shake, you know the stuff that works and know the stuff that doesn't work. It's the performers that have to paint in between like the groundwork that you set for them, right? And I'm not saying that every TV for a go-home show for the pay-per-view needs to be like this angle where the heels reign supreme. But when you do it, it's awesome. Yeah. I don't know. It, it just seems like it's such a hard ask from certain companies to do these things. Right. But... right. All right. Well, that was a like for you and a like for me. So you want me to go again? Yes. All right. Just because I just uh, alluded to it. I'm going to go to a dislike, Joe. And that is from AEW Rampage. We had a match between the Bunny and Tay Conti. Now, you know what? Tay Conti, Joe, hasn't been on TV, at least national TV, in forever. They almost, it's like they're punishing her for being so over and being, like, so good at everything she does. Uh, but anyways, the Bunny defeats Tay Conti after distraction from Penelope, Penelope Ford and the use of brass knuckles thrown to her from the Butcher. I'm sorry, the Blade. And, uh, this, you know, all of that odd stacked against her she does lose it ruined 
what was going to be a Matt classic, because we all would have looked back on this day in history years from now, talking about the classic between the Bunny and Tay Conti. And it ended a 13-match winning streak of what, you know, obviously the face of women's wrestling. The face? The face. So, you know, welcome back, Tay Conti. But then they go and they, they jobber out like that. The only thing that makes me feel better about it is the fact that we got Anna Jay back, but uh, that's not my likes. But, uh, but yes, that's my my very carefully analyzed and not at all thrown together at the last minute dislike uh, the bunny defeating Tay Conti. Uh, so uh, I say just I, I privately shame DJ and Brett, and I'm going to publicly shame you oh. and say shame, shame. Uh, this is what you get for not watching AEW Dark and AEW Dark Elevation. <laughs> Do yourself a favor. Uh-huh. Go back, let's say, the last two, maybe three weeks. Definitely two, maybe three. And I'm not saying watch the whole things of the dark, you know. If I zip through them sometimes. There's certain matches that I don't want to see. But I tell you, 2021, on those uh, AEW YouTube shows, there is nothing better than a Tay Conte squash match because she beats the hell out of her opponents. <laughs> she is like a combination of 96 Ronnie Garvin and the Express where like the Midnight Express would go out there against jobbers and just like experiment with stuff. They're like, <laughs> let's try this complicated double team move that we've never done before on like this 150 pound guy with a mullet and a beer gut on <laughs> national TV for the first time, right? So take Conti's doing that sort of stuff to people. And then in the Rugged Ronnie Garvin sense, Rugged Ronnie Garvin as a babyface or a heel would have these squash matches where, like, you felt bad for the jobbers because Ronnie Garvin was just punching the shit out of them, <laughs> kicking the hell out of them, like, twisting them up into pretzels, like, making them, like, bend so that their foot touches their mouth and, like, like making them kiss their own foot while he's just stretching them and humiliating them. <laughs> and she does this pump kick in the corner, and she kills everyone with it, and I love it. It's the best. So... <laughs> Uh, if you were down and you didn't like the match with the bunny, and I can't imagine why, um, <laughs> go and watch those Tay Conte squash matches on Dark and Dark Elevation, and you'll have a smile on your face. <laughs> I, I do every once in a while. Like, if I'm just, like, I have nothing to do and I'm scrolling through, like, Twitter and I see the announcement that Dark or whatever went up, I'll, I'll try to, like, jump on, but I am way behind, and that, that's my fault. I'll have to check those out. Shame. I know. <laughs> So uh, I'll go with a I'll go with a didn't like, and I'll uh, you know this was going to be a very different didn't like um, than it would have been like if we recorded on Saturday as opposed to Monday or something, right? Yeah. Uh, so this past weekend was supposed to be Polly Am Woodstock, run by M V Young. Um, it was be like three or four shows, tons of different people. Uh, wrestling ring set up in a field somewhere in like central or upstate New York or some shit. And uh, the cops ended up getting called or threatened to be called because somebody's Jeep that no one had a picture of was blocking in someone nearby's driveway. Um, So then it comes out that the guy, Alex, and I say guy, everybody else is calling him a kid. And I don't know if you're running an independent promotion, maybe you're not a kid. Uh, he 
put a statement out stating that he had gotten permission from his family to use this land. Uh, but then too many people showed up for the thing that they heavily promoted three wrestling events through the course of a day at. And neighbors and his family called the cops on him, himself, after giving him permission to use the land. Um, and apparently people were taking pictures of some of the nearby surrounding homes and businesses that were littered with uh, still this late in 2021 pro-Trump stuff and Blue Lives Matter stuff and all sorts of stuff like that. So um, this Alex guy, promoter, um, who got this land uh, made a very big mistake by putting on this show in a field with some tenuous permissions in an area of New York. And people, when you say New York, everyone's like, oh, New York, you know, it's like the leftiest place on earth. Like, no, no, New York City is the leftiest place on earth. The rest of New York is like hillbilly country. Yeah. So you're going to put on this show in a field with tenuous permissions in an, a very heavily populated red area, and you're gonna con you're gonna have convene on this area both workers and fans that are people of color, LGBTQ plus supporters of such, and so on and so forth. You need to think these things out a little bit better, okay? Maybe hold your you know all inclusive show in an area that's all inclusive, not just one color. Mm. Um, I understand even though the show got shut down, majority of people got paid, but I will say this, if you're not smart enough to figure that out and you don't have enough money to run a show, maybe you shouldn't be running shows. Hmm. Um, you put a lot of people that I know in danger. A lot of people were en route to the show hours away and were told the show was shut down because of one person's negligence. All I can say is if you want independent wrestling to be better, then you need to do better in these sort of things. And a lot of the folks involved with this were like, oh, punk rock, we're breaking the rules and everything else like that. Well, you're going to keep breaking the rules on behalf of a bunch of people that may not share that same mentality as you. And you might get a lot of other people in a lot of trouble. Or if these areas you run in, and again, it was only one time, I'm not saying it happens all the time. But these areas that you run in are big police areas, big red areas, and they see a lot of six foot seven, nearly seven feet tall black guys hanging around. I'm sure the cops will very nicely and easily come in and break everything up. Hmm. What I'm saying is, if you will punk rock, let everyone know the risks involved with your negligence and your carelessness of running in commission states in third parties' backyards. Everyone needs to be smarter. And this is kind of where we got back to before. If the whole thing looks suspect, it's suspect. Doesn't mm -hmm. matter if you want to be part of the cool hip thing that's happening, want to be part of the cool hip thing that's happening, or continue to wrestle, not possibly run afoul of the law, everyone's a big tough guy and a big lawbreaker and a big punk rock guy until they actually have to deal with consequences. <laughs> yeah. You could be punk rock and still play within the rules. Maybe more on that later. <laughs> All right, Joe, I'm going to go with a like. Okay.
Now, obviously, you and I have said for many, many months that uh, we are huge fans of the head of the table, Roman Reigns, and the fact that we believe that he should not lose the universal title anytime soon, right? You know, at least until Mania, right? Sure. But in my likes this week, Joe, is because there is a new universal champion, Joe. And that is, great segue, by the way, right? That is the GCW universal champion, (laughs) Matt Cardona unveiled the beautiful beautiful new title the new uh yes title uh championship championship it's not a title belt belts go around your waist pal uh it is purple it has velcro straps it has the li middle finger logos and it fucking spins joe it's the most beautiful thing i've ever seen and it's just gonna just get all the heat on the planet all the little gcw fans are gonna be all cranky and mad about it and it's the best thing ever and throw in the fact that uh, Broski did one of those uh, working yourself into a shoot marks signed HH tweets the other day. And it's just mwah, chef's kiss all around. Um, I don't <laughs> like Broski as much as you do. Uh, I like the belt. I like the idea of the belt. Broski is a belt mark for himself. Um, this is I a will belt say- guy, though. Huh? He's not a belt guy. He says it all the time. Definitely not. Definitely not. And he's and he's going to downsize those Funko Pops any day now. Yep, yep. <laughs> um so I'll say this. Um Broski needs to um I, and again, so I, I can't fault him for this because they say if you steal from one person it's plagiarism, if you steal from many people it's research. <laughs> so he got me there. Yeah. But uh we need to kind of lean back on the crutch of pad the lope. Yeah. Yeah. That's a crutch phrase for Broski. It's his comeback for everything. Uh and then he's got everybody else saying it. I'm sure we'll have the pad the lope and uh, a shirt here shortly. Um but A minus to Broski for uh effort and execution. Uh, doesn't get the full A plus because I know where he's stealing all of his good ideas from. <laughs> from one nine hundred turmoil, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised he doesn't have that set up. <laughs> um, okay, so I got a like. Um, and again, you know, we're gonna end with a, a dislike, and we'll see how that goes. It's just gonna have to go that way. Uh, so this past Tuesday, there was a big time match announcement. Now, Adam, I'm not sure if you're aware. Um, Japanese wrestling legend Minoru Suzuki is doing a tour of America in October. Of course, I've been looking forward to it. Huge Japanese wrestling fan. Well, you would know him, uh, you know, whether you know him as the murder grandpa or you know him as the man that Taz stole uh, a lot of his look and feel and the towel and the stuff from. Mm. Japanese wrestling really proliferated its way into American soil. Uh, but they've been announcing matches all over the place for him. A lot of matches that you would expect. You got a Davey Richards match here. You got a Jonathan Gresham match there. Um, St. Louis Anarchy, I think, did the Calvin Tankman match. with. They announced that. Um, but October 21st, Thursday night, Time Bomb Pro is doing Minoru Suzuki against friend, a friend of the show, friend of all of us. Dominic Grady. 
Yeah, I saw that announcement. I was kind of shocked to see that. That's awesome. Yeah. So knowing Dom the way that I know Dom, Dom is not only a great wrestler, but he's also a great person. I, I don't know anyone who's ever said anything bad about Dom. And even if they did, Dom would probably just murder them anyway. Yeah. Um, Dom, <laughs> you know, publicly has been taking some time off. Uh, but this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Uh, Eric, who runs Time Bomb Pro, has been kind of building up a little bit of a fan base there um, for the promotion. And I know it's a big risk uh, to bring in someone like Suzuki on this tour. He don't come cheap. And to put down that sort of coin, to put him on for that show, to make that decision to put him against Dom, um, I was excited for this, right? Because, uh, like I said, this is a big deal for a very small on the rise promotion, a very big deal for Dom, someone who I consider a friend. And I know a lot of our adjacent friends from the Cleveland area who love Dom much more than you or I ever could. They've already made the plans, booked the flights. They're going to Minnesota to see this match, right? Yeah. So I am at work and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it too. I'm going to go. And I go and I look at my schedule and I'm like, huh, that's interesting. I already have October 22nd off. Why do I have October 22nd off? (laughs) Because also this week it was officially announced that LVAC Let's Hang Out, uh, you know, whatever return return of Let's Hang Out with the Return of the Living Dead rip poster. So, again, sad, I will not be able to uh, go out to Time Bomb Pro in Minnesota. Uh, my heart and my thoughts are with Dom and all the, the crew going out there. But obviously, I got to honor my initial booking. I had had this information back in May, October 22nd. Uh, LVAC, uh, let's hang out, returns to National Sokols in, uh, uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, card not announced, talent not announced, um, you know, hopefully some retirements don't prevent people from being booked on the show, um, but they've already said that per National Sokols themselves, um, no negative test you need to provide proof of vaccination if you're attending or working the show now they are working out what it needs to be for like kids under 12 who can't get vaccined mm-hmm. um and it's going to be limited capacity uh it's a small venue i don't think they're doing a band and i could be mistaken on that um but there is no more punk rock show in our area than the way that LVAC does things and they do things, I think, the way that you're supposed to do things. They still have that punk rock a- aesthetic. The people in charge are still very punk rock. But, you know, they don't flaunt that they're following the rules, but they're following the rules, everybody. Yeah. It can be done. <laughs> yeah, and I have a feeling that, like, if you are in attendance at this LVAC show, you are not going to see people with chin straps. You will see people with goddamn masks on their face <laughs> or else you're being thrown out into the street. You I know? will be commentating with a mask, you know? Yeah. yeah um, so, I will be drinking beer out of like some kind of straw contraption that goes around my mask. Yes. <laughs> uh, so absolutely excited. And it's a big wrestling weekend. Uh, I think Ring of Honor is doing a TV taping in Philly that weekend. Uh, I know Interspecies Wrestling is running out of the H2O arena that Saturday. Uh, so if you're in the northeastern Pennsylvania area, that weekend in October, I don't know what else is going on that weekend in October, but 
you know, uh, LVAC, Interspecies Wrestling, Ring of Honor, all those things really can't be beat. Yeah, absolutely. And just to go real quick back to congratulating Dom and like you said, uh, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet and uh, has always been nice to me when he doesn't have to be. Uh, the only beef I've ever had with him is the fact that he he jumped me from behind at uh, Mahoney Drive-In. You know, so <laughs> but other than that, uh, congrats to Dom. All right, I just have one last quick dislike, Joe, and I am sure that you know where this is going, but uh, not to get too toy boy on this podcast, but uh, I mentioned last week or the week before that I might have sold a figure to the most professional wrestler, Brian Myers, and I said to my, I don't know if I even said it out loud, but I thought to myself, oh, maybe I'll get a shout out on the podcast. I did not get a shout out on the podcast, Joe. That, I, that's fine. I didn't. Somebody named Adam Volkenberg did. I don't know who that is, Joe. I, I, I will accept Adam Van. I will also accept my shoot name of Adam Van Volkenberg. But some clown named Adam Volkenberg is going around stealing my clout. And just like DJ, I'm a clout chaser. I want that clout. <laughs> so uh, I, I was very excited to, to hear my name. Uh, however, it was it was butchered. Very bare minimum Brian of them. And uh, for those of you that are not Patreon members, go ahead and share my enjoyment or share my misery. I'm sorry uh, when the, the show drops uh, this Friday. I'll say this. I say close enough, right? <laughs> uh, you and I both have uh, more complicated than they actually like people feel as though our last names are much more complicated than they actually are. I don't think I've ever had my name pronounced correctly ever in my life. Yeah, I think you were like a, a, a Patreon giveaway, and I, Smart Mark was like Joe Spa style. Oh, forget about it. <laughs> uh, so I, I'll, I say take it as a moral victory, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I would even maybe if there's a way uh, when it goes if and when it goes up on YouTube or something, just clip it up of just uh, Brian saying your name wrong and just like loop it. You know? <laughs> Vansky shaking with anger over slight from Brian Myers. <laughs> um, so my final dislike. Uh, you know, it's time to get serious, sadly. Um, and uh, that was the passing today of uh, Shannon Sprell, uh, otherwise known as Daphne from WCW and Impact. Um, I, I was on, you know, uh, I was in front of my computer watching, um, Dynamite and I'm seeing a bunch of people talking about stuff and she was on her Instagram live, live feed, live stream, whatever it is, um, talking about harming herself and, you know, saying that this was it and people were scrambling, people were in the chat. A lot of names from professional wrestling that I recognized. Um, I knew she was in Florida. Um, I know Jason Ayers, who works for WWE, is in the area. And he reached out to a bunch of people. Uh, I reached out to who I could that I knew in the area. And luckily, um, people were able to get an address on her. Because I guess she had just recently moved. Um, they were able to get family over there. Um but sadly, this morning, it was too late. And, uh, you know, 
let's talk about the person. Um, again, she is and was and can still be a bright spot in her time in WCW. She was there in 99, 2000. She was paired with David Flair and Crowbar. And she came in off a casting call with zero wrestling experience whatsoever. And she looked and felt like a real person, a different person. And she was awesome on TV. She was a great character. Um, There was not anyone who looked like her on professional wrestling TV in 1999, 2000. Everyone was blonde hair, big fake tits and everything. So she stuck out, but she was awesome. Um, You know, backstage, you hear these stories of like the guys like Ric Flair and Sting and Miss Elizabeth. They all loved her. They thought she was awesome. They thought she was the coolest person around. So like she had that in with like that old guard of people. And then the younger guys like Crowbar and like, you know, the hurricane and stuff like that, that were on the come up in WCW, you know, they were always willing to work with her because they were just as new as she was to get her involved in matches, get her doing spots and matches, um, you know, making them look like fools because that's how loved she was. So WCW goes under. I think she goes to HWA as part of the WCW buyout for a little bit. She's already in that Ohio Midwest area. She doesn't get picked up by WWF. So she goes and starts doing the indies. And she busted her ass on the indies for like six years. Using the fame of her being on national television to get all these other people over. Whether it be other women that she was wrestling. Whether it be other men that she was associated with. Um... She just busted her ass. She was selfless. She was a, a, a great person to be around. She actually did a weekend in Chikara. She came through as Shark Girl. Because uh, that was, you know, she's like, I want to work as well. Like, I could do this character here and I could do that character there. Uh, I know a lot of people that were on that Chikara. I know Grandpa mentioned something. My experience with her on that show Uh, She was coming in, and as she was carrying her stuff in, you know, as I would do for anyone, you know, I held the door for her. And as she's coming in, a bunch of the other students came over, and, you know, everyone's like, hello, hello, hello. But then there were other ones like, well, let me help you get your bag. Do you need something? Do you need whatever? Blah, 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 blah. So as she's like, yep, take my stuff, show me where the locker room is, everything else like that. And as they take her stuff, she don't know me. I don't know her. She looks at me and says... You could tell which ones were trained by Hero and which ones were trained by Quack. And she just walks away. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. I Very nice to meet you. But I was always a fan of hers. And then even in her later days where she wasn't able to perform, um, you know, kind of one of those things that everyone knew about. Um, and it's come up in recent, um, you know, hours. She was in Impact. She was involved in a storyline with Stevie Richards and Abyss and Mick Foley. And they wanted her to do, like, this table bump off the apron through, like, a barbed wire table. She didn't want to do it. They convinced her to do it. She ends up breaking her arm and suffering a severe concussion. They end up not airing the spot on TV. And they end up not covering her medical bills and firing her. Hmm. She ends up suing Impact over the medical bills And Impact ends up settling out of court because they knew if she ended up actually getting them to court, she would have had them over the cold. Yeah. And after that, like her in-ring career 
kind of dwindled down, but it still did not stop her from being involved in wrestling. Whether she lent her name or her visage or her appearances as a host of shows, as an interview person, as a manager, helping using her name and going to bat for so many of the women that have come up in the last 10 years in professional wrestling. So many of them have so much to thank Daphne, Shannon, whatever for. And then, of course, not to get too much into this, a lot of this was mental health stuff. And we all, everyone deals with mental health stuff in our own ways. We all have good days and we all have bad days. And no matter who you are, no matter how good your life is or how bad your life is, there's days where you feel as though you have no one and nothing And there's days where you have enough distractions in your life that it doesn't matter. Do not be afraid to reach out, to ask for help, especially in this day and age. There's never been shame in asking for help. There never will be shame in asking for help. And if you as a person see some sort of behavior, and that's the thing. I think she was even on a show just this past weekend where she did the hosting things, Daphne did. And then here it is just days later. And when the severity of your mental illness gives off this huge positivity, it's tough for us to see. And I know a lot of people that were close to her were like, how did we not know? How could we not let this happen? If someone's mental issues get so bad, there's nothing you could do, unfortunately. And you can't beat yourself up All you could do is hopefully remember that person for who they were and what they were and anything else like that. And I'm the type of person that if I get a message from someone, it's a direct message, a Facebook message, a text message, an email or a phone call, and I don't get back to them within like an hour, I feel as though I'm doing that person a disservice that they took the time out of their day to check on me. And I know A year ago at the height of the pandemic when there were a lot of people losing their jobs and a lot of people were going through a lot of really hard stuff, I sent messages out to people that I hadn't talked to in years just to check on them. And a lot of times they didn't get back to me. But more times than not, they did. Um, If you're thinking about someone you haven't talked to in a long time, they're probably thinking about why have you talked to them in a long time. Texts are free. Emails are free. Direct messages are free. Facebook messages are free. Maybe this is how you find out that you needed this person back in your life more than they needed you in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I'm I, I consider myself very lucky to have a wife and a kid who I love very much and they love me very much. But I can tell you if if the the Joe that you know today, the last three years or however long you've known me for is not the same Joe that was 15 years ago. Um, you know, my wife helped me become a better person and makes me a better person, but I still have my good days and I still have my bad days. And there are those bad days where I'll just randomly ping someone, you know, with something stupid that's on my mind. And it's just to kind of know like, hey, this person's still there. This person's still going to respond to my stupid whatevers. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't have that person in your life. Send me a message. I'll I'll, I'll hit you back. Yeah. So yeah. that's it. That was uh, that that really sucked today. Yeah, absolutely. 
There's no uh, really good way to transition to this, Joe. But uh, do you know that there's a pay-per-view this weekend? It's Sammy Zane's kicking down to the ring. It's Kofi Kingston doing his thing. Ruby Riot be on the show. Well, Daniel Bryan shall no, no, no. Is it the Big Dog's Yard? Let's find out. Does Joe know the card? You. I do know that there's a pay-per-view this weekend. Yes, that is right. According to Wikipedia, the most trusted source in all wrestling information, AEW is airing All Out this weekend. And they say that including one match that's on the pre-show, there's a total of 10 matches, Joe. Can you name that card? Okay. Now, I will say this. I, th- it is going to be a virtual impossibility to name everyone that's in the ladies' battle royal because I don't think they've announced everyone in it yet either. Okay. All right. Well, we'll get to it when we get to it. But okay. So we've got uh, Christian versus Kenny Omega. Yep. We've got the Young Bucks. Oh, okay. So that matches for the AEW world title. Sure. We have the Young Bucks defending the tag titles against the Lucha Brothers in a steel cage. Yep. Uh, we have Miro losing the TNT mm-hmm. title to Eddie Kingston. Damn right. Uh, we have uh, Britt Baker defending the ladies title against Chris Statlander. Yeah. Uh, we have John Moxley taking on Sotashi Kojima. Yep, you're up to five. Kojima, Kojima, Lariat, Lariat. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, we also have a 10-person tag of the Best Friends and Jurassic Express against the Hardy Family Office. Consisting of? Is it, uh, it's Matt Hardy, it's, uh, Private Party, it's, uh, Jack Evans and Angelico? Yep. Okay. Uh, so, we also have... QT Marshall versus No More BS Paul White. <laughs> yep. AKA The Big Show. So we have the women's uh, battle casino battle royal, whatever the hell, right? Mm-hmm. And that's eight. We've got CM Punk versus Darby Allen. Okay. I thought you were just purposely ignoring that in your brain. No, no, no. So that's nine. Mm-hmm. You said there's ten. Yeah, you're missing one. Okay, now, are they still listing Andrade versus Pac? They are not. Okay, so I don't know what the tenth match is. <sighs> this is my sigh of disbelief, Joe. Okay. This is just a few that they literally just hot-shotted. It started over this past weekend. You know, you might, might have missed it. Uh, Chris Jericho against MJF. You know... <laughs> That's um, the match that, and again, it's good that I forgot that. It's the match I give the least shits about. (laughs) So the stipulations on the matches is if Chris Jericho loses, we're stuck with him on commentary. I guess so. He must retire from in-ring competition. Yeah, I I really, and I haven't enjoyed any of their matches. No. Um. You know, I get everyone likes MJF. I think he's a little bit overrated on promos. I think he's okay in the ring. Uh, it's 
you know, I, I don't think it's on purpose that he only wrestles like once every two months. Yeah. Because his in-ring ain't his strongest suit. Um, but yeah. All right, Joe. So the 21-woman Casino Battle Royal for the AEW Women's Championship, I guess, oh, for an opportunity. They have announced 20 of the 21 women. Without you going through it, how many out of that 20 do you think you can name? <laughs> uh, this is going to be like, like was it name the tune where it's like, I can do it in four beats. You have the list in front of you, so I can't like go back and forth and challenge with you like they do in five-star <laughs> match game. Yeah, that's the problem. Okay, I could definitely name 13. Ooh. All right, go for it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we got Tay Conti, we got Anna Jay. Well, there you go. Those are the, the two you need to know, but go ahead. We got The Bunny. Yep. We got Penelope Ford. Yep. Uh, we've got Nia Jax. Nia, Nia not Nia, Nia Jax. <laughs> Nia Jax on my mind because that Charlotte match. I'm surprised that didn't come up today. Uh, <laughs> Nyla Rose. Yeah, you're at five. Okay, uh, that's five. Um, Big Swole. Six. Red Velvet. Seven. How many did I say I can get? You said thirteen. I'm trying to think of everyone else that's on those cards. Jade Cargill. Uh, yeah. You really just have to name the AEW women's roster. That's not Britt Baker or Statlander. Uh, Hikaru Shida. Yep. Emi Sakura. Uh, yes. You're at 10. I think I'm good at 10. Oh, Oh, well, first of all, shame on you for, number one, forgetting the first ever women's champion in Riho. Okay. I forgot that she was back. Uh, you're forgetting about uh, part of the varsity blondes, Julia Hart. <laughs> hey, side note, side note, okay? Yeah. Uh-huh. So in his promos, uh, Punk says, uh, I came back because I want to wrestle all these young guys. I want to wrestle the Darby Allens. I want to wrestle this guy. I want to wrestle Brian Pillman Jr. <laughs> How far down the roster does Punk have to get before Brian Pillman Jr. is even in the same locker room with him, let alone in the same ring with him? I think we're going to see Punk versus Pretty Peter Avalon before we see <laughs> Punk versus Brian Pillman Jr. I feel like after the Darby Allen name, they just took some names out of the hat. And it was like, all right, what do we got in here? They shook the John Cena hat and uh, <laughs> they pulled out Brian Pillman Jr. All right. So anyways, we have uh, remaining uh, Jamie Hayter, Rebel, Kylan King, uh, Layla Hirsch, Kira Hogan, and Abaddon. Oh, and something called Diamante. I don't know who that oh, is. Oh, Diamante. She was the one that teamed up with the girl who got fired because she's a bad attitude girl. What the hell's her name? I have no idea. Oh shit, I can't remember her name. She sucks bad though, and she's a she's a bad too. All right, so we need to address serious talk. All right. Eddie Kingston versus Miro. Eddie Kingston's not winning. All right. Just wanted to make sure. I mean uh, I think the prov- the prevailing wisdom is this is the first match in a rivalry. Uh we're gonna get some screwy finish. Um maybe like even a no contest. Where it's going to build to, like, some sort of, like, brawl, no DQ, falls kind of anywhere, something, something, something. 
uh, on September 22nd at the Arthur Ashe uh, Stadium show. Yeah, I, I love, love, love Eddie Kingston. But, you know, at the same time, trying to look at it objectively, Miro as just the unstoppable killing machine. It can't be stopped this early. You know, you have to let it go for a little bit. Um, all right. And then uh, Kenny Omega retains against Christian Cage, obviously. We'll come back to that. Come back to that. Okay. All right. I'll just kind of jump it around. I mean, I don't usually talk about tag matches, but uh, Dr. Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander. Uh, Britt Baker's winning. She's too hot. They need to have Britt keeping the title until they could do uh, another match with her and Thunder Rosa. Okay. And uh, I think we, we're in agreement. Uh, CM Punk needs to win against Darby Allen. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, unless you have any other matches to talk about. Go right so we back. got our two other title matches. We got the Young Bucks against the Lucha Brothers. We got Kenny versus Christian, right? Yeah. I mean, I can care less about the tag belts. I see them staying on the box just yes. so the elite can continue to do their little thing, annoying act, you know, but. Uh, uh, so this is not anything new. This is the way that the storyline, I think, is going. Uh, I'm not the first person to float this theory out there. Um, but you get the uh, Young Cage of we saw still above the ring. Uh, Kenny beats Christian as well. Uh, the elite all come in. The cage comes down again. Uh, baby faces all run in. It's already been established that the baby faces can't get in because of whatever's whatever going on. Uh, then all of a sudden the cage starts going back up. Kenny and everyone's freaking out what the hell's going on. Hangman's music hits. Hangman Page comes out with the members of the Dark Order that decided to want to be loyal to him. Mm -hmm. And they're the ones that come in and run everyone off. Okay. And that's how the pay-per-view ends. Mm, I'd be interested in seeing that. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a couple uh, very skippable matches on this show, but I'd say as far as pay-per-views go, there's more that I'm interested in than not. Than not. I'm all- I'm absolutely fascinated by QT uh, Marshall versus No More BS Paul White, especially <laughs> with Billy Gunn turning this past week on TV on his old friend, one half of Double Trouble Crap on a Stick. Um, and if this leads us to a Billy Gunn versus Big Show program <laughs> on TV in 2021, then wrestling is the best wrestling ever. <laughs> yeah, that Paul White versus QT Marshall match just might steal the night. It'll steal the entire show. Well, both those guys will be stealing their paychecks that night, but that's neither <laughs> here nor there. <sighs> All right. Well, enough with that. Let's talk about uh, something from ancient history, and that is the show homework, Joe. Homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework. Homework, it's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. So I assigned to Adam this past week the live streaming Friday night uh, AIW event, Touch of Evil. Uh, You can definitely go over to, if you didn't get a chance to watch it, uh, shame on you, I say, head over to Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. 
aka independentwrestling.tv. They got no new live streams this weekend. They're taking the weekend off. I say smart. AEW is the hot hand these days. Let them have the weekend. No one's going to be really bothered with your shit this weekend, uh, no matter how big you think you are. Um, so use that time to watch this AIW show, Wrestle Rager 5, which I'm going to get around to. Uh, but Touch of Evil, Adam, I'm going to. Oh, so uh, also, if you don't have, you don't want to watch it, whatever, uh, head over to our friend Kevin Hellion's site, maskedlibrary.com. He does a write up anytime that we assign something for homework kind of as a primer, a guideline, a walkthrough, if you will, if uh, you did not want to uh, watch the show. Yeah, and I forgot to read his uh, his write-up. Usually I use that to pad up my uh, <laughs> commentary here. but <laughs> All right, so as you mentioned, AIW, A Touch of Evil from this past Friday, uh, airing from the Odeon, which uh, out of all the many AIW venues I've been to, that's my favorite, um, but it's the only one. Well, that is the Intense Arena, of course. Yes. Of course. Uh, and the opening match is To Infinity and Beyond, Cheech and Colin Delaney versus Bulking Season, Chuck Stone and the strongest man in all the land, Arthur McArthur. Uh, we had Thorne and Duke on commentary, the Duke. Uh, this match was basically Chuck Stone manhandling Infinity and Beyond for a while at the beginning until Infinity started doing some heel shit, taking out his legs, uh, got the... Stone got the hot tag on Arthur. Crowd erupts. The building just, like, the roof went off the Odeon. Uh, Arthur later does a spot where he picks up Stone and starts body slamming into his opponents, which is pretty cool. Um, something happened with Artie during that match. Uh, I just think he experienced some shell shock from his uh, trauma in the Great War, but he was taken out of the match. And eventually, to Infinity and Beyond wins via a stomp backpack on Stone. Uh, fun opener. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. So uh, this match was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the commentary team of the Duke and John Thorne on this. Absolutely. One, because I know Thorne hates doing commentary, but he's actually really good at it. And uh, him and the Duke, you could tell that they're actually really good friends because they have actual really good conversational chemistry. Yeah. Um, I did love John Thorne's shoot on ringside photographers during this match. <laughs> the, the, the more popular you get, the more free, uh, free <laughs> admittance from ringside photographers. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, so I say poor Artie MacArthur twice because once he got hurt in the match, I think he got a concussion and like popped some of his teeth through his lip because I saw the stitches in his mouth. Yeah. Um, and also poor Artie for kind of getting buried a little bit on commentary by John and the Duke for whatever reason. <laughs> Listen to the AIW podcast. The card is going to change. Usually comes out every Tuesday to hear why Artie was getting a little bit of heat during this match. But this match was really good. I think Chuck Stone is really coming into his own these last couple shows. Uh, I think he's kind of figured out who he is and how he should work and how he can work. And it's really starting to show... Uh, in there with guys like Cheech, like Colin, who are unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I just want to say I also have, but in the notes for my second match is how much I love the commentary. Uh, and I also, the reason why I made note of it during the second match is they were really laying into referee Tom Dunn during that and just how old and immobile he was. And that's right. why I think they really started hitting their gear. But the second match was Chase Oliver versus Lee Moriarty. 
And obviously, uh, Lee Moriarty is being built up amongst our friends as being one of the best wrestlers in the world. So I went into this expecting him to win this. Uh, Chase Oliver and him put on like a great technical match. Uh, Chase did an awesome shotgun dropkick into a seated Lee when he was sitting in the corner. It almost killed him. Uh, and eventually, shockingly, Oliver wins with a shooting star press. And, and like it was sold during the match that like Chase Oliver was, you know, has a history of injuries and like he would land wrong and it would look like he's like a gimpy leg. But he was able to overcome that and almost like take an upset victory over Moriarty. Yep, definitely an upset. Uh, Chase just returned maybe about a month or so ago. Uh, from, I think, like his third injury of his career. And he's a lot more muscled now than he was. And I think they even joked on commentary that someone said that they should call him 216-Pac, uh, <laughs> both as a not, you know, as a uh, remark to Pac, who, you know, isn't going to be on AEW this weekend, and 216, the actual area code for the Cleveland area. Mm-hmm. Um, this match is really good. Lee is one of the smoothest motherfuckers in the ring. Um, I love getting a chance to see him wrestle. Um, there's only, uh, bigger and better things for that kid here in the coming years. Like I said, Chase is just coming back. He's got a big match announced, uh, for the AIW show next weekend. So hopefully, as they said multiple times in commentary, if he can stay healthy, you know, he's going to be like one of those next superstars that's just going to blow up everywhere. Yeah. Uh, next up, Brian Carson and Casey Carrington the fourth come out, issue an open challenge. Uh, I love the line on commentary. Uh-oh, sunglasses indoor. You know these guys are heels uh, like that. And accepting the challenge was 40 Acres, PB Smooth, and Jocelyn uh, Navarro. Uh, the match opens up with Jocelyn just basically kicking the shit out of Carrington. And uh, she did a lot of ass kicking throughout the match. Uh, eventually, PB Smooth comes in. PB is an absolute monster. He does not look indie big. He looks like real big, like real world big, big. Uh, eventually, he gets the the pin on Carrington actually pretty quickly. I, it was almost like a squash. It was your typical cocky heels, you know, issuing a challenge that they can't back up. So, yeah, um, they were making I was hoping and praying uh, when they were talking about Brian Carson wearing his sunglasses, especially uh, John. Uh, Colt Cabana has a line that I'll never forget from an old Ring of Honor show where he says there's only two types of people that wear sunglasses indoors. Blind people and assholes. <laughs> and I was hoping John would have said that. He did not. Um, whenever there's an open challenge laid out, it's always going to be somebody that comes out and kicks their ass. The person who issues the never the open challenge never wins the open challenge. Yeah. Um, so I think... With some changes recently to the roster, um, 40 Acres now appears to be just PB and Jocelyn, and this was kind of, I would say, a refresh for them. Like I said, they got uh, Cheech and Colin at the next show for AIW. Jocelyn was a, a killing machine in this. Yeah. And I'd love the dynamic of PB, who's this big, huge guy, um... He is, I'd, I, you know, they build him as seven feet, but I think he's closer to seven feet than our friend who's nearly seven feet. <laughs> not to say that he's not big, but I think PB is bigger than our friend. Yeah. Um, that PB is the one who kind of does like the goofy haha spots. You'd think he's the killer in the match. And then Jocelyn, who's just like this compact ball of fury, is the one <laughs> who just beats the hell out of everyone. I think if that's your dynamic on this team, I think you got some legs with it. Yeah. Uh, but I really like this match. A great showcase for uh, PB and Jocelyn Navarro. 
Yeah. All right. So for the next match, uh, Thorne leaves commentary and the Duke is joined by Colin Delaney, uh, who apparently has been drinking PBR before it was cool. Uh, I like that. And the match is Ethan Wright versus Filthy Tom Lawler. Filthy Tom wearing like super, super tight uh, Daisy Duke denim shorts. Uh, does a little bit of a strip tease to reveal that he has uh, gear underneath that looks just like Daisy Duke shorts. Uh, big pop for that. Uh, Lawler has got some sick strikes during this match. That guy's got a future in fighting. You know, I, I think he's he's pretty good at the, this. Uh, he throws some elbows at right in the corner that just looks like he's just chopping uh, Wright's head off. Uh, tons of submission work, counters on top of counters. Lawler basically wins with a pump handle slam that was kind of scary. He had some trouble getting him up there. Maybe there's a little bit of slippy, slipperiness. Almost drops him on his head. Uh, sick match. Afterwards, uh, the Masked Marauder, who uh, apparently was uh, from Go For Broke, I apologize, I didn't watch, uh, jumps Lawler after the match. Yes, I like Ethan Wright. Ethan Wright's got something, but he's also missing something. Uh, I know they've teased putting the Duke with him as a mouthpiece, as a something. I really think they should pull the trigger on that. I think that's going to help Ethan Wright, because mechanically in the ring, he's great. Um, He just is missing like one little piece, one little something. Uh, Tom Lawler is awesome, has always been awesome. He's always a fun guy, a party, but he's also a killing badass. I love the gear, but I miss the days when Tom Lawler's gear is he would stop at like the local Kmart or Dollar General, buy a pair of women's leggings, and those would be his <laughs> those that would be his gear for the night. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Kaplan versus Mance Warner. Kaplan, they did a very good job on commentary of just selling as this this ornery, miserable, just wants to fight everybody type of guy. Uh, Mance obviously comes out to simple, like simple, I forget that fucking Shine Down songs. <laughs> Anyways, uh, they need to trim like eight minutes off that intro. I don't care. Uh, Kaplan eventually, really quick in the match, goes for a dive through the ropes. Manser hits him in the head with a chair. It was sick, sick shot. I think there was noticeable times, many times during this, where I made, like, squeals. I was like, ah! Like, after seeing, like, headshots or just, you know, somebody getting hit with something out of nowhere. Uh, they do some fighting through the crowd. Shout out to Stacey Silvers for rocking the boar shirt in the front row. Uh, Kaplan hits a moonsault through the door. <laughs> I have your Manser hits Kaplan in the face when... I don't know. There's so many things getting hit. I loved the commentary where there was identifying which door came from where. That's a Japanese door. That's a British door because it has designs on it. Uh, eventually, Kaplan stacks two levels of doors on shoddy broken chairs. And uh, a sledgehammer is, is used to finish off Cap. There's a lot of hardcore stuff in this. Too much to kind of follow. But great, great plunder match. Uh, great plunder match. I love Kaplan. I think Kaplan's awesome when Kaplan has like Kaplan's one of those guys that just kind of like mysteriously comes in and out of professional wrestling. He's currently in one of his in periods. Uh, he had a match at the psychopathic Re records building a couple months ago over the summer where it was him and, uh, uh, Josh Bishop and they just murdered each other. They ran it back at the fair show last month. And the finish of the match was Wes Barkley driving a U-Haul truck into into Kaplan. Uh, so they're really putting over that Kaplan is a killing machine. Mance is the star, if you will. He's got a little bit more high profile than uh, Kaplan in this. And I would say Kaplan loses nothing by losing in this match. 
Yeah, no, not at all. I didn't feel like anybody like got over on the other guy. All right, uh, Bitcoin boys, Monkey Montgomery and Eric Taylor versus the main event, Duke Davis and Gannon Jones Jr., Thorne and Wes Barkley on commentary. Uh, this match starts off with the Bitcoin boys being afraid of the main event, kind of uh, dancing around, afraid to engage with them. There's a spot where Montgomery is basically teeing off on both members of the main event to no effect. They just kind of looked down at him like it was like a child punching a grown adult. Um, they were tossed outside. Uh, Gannon does a sick dive over the top rope. The Bitcoin boys eventually gain the advantage, and uh, I loved – during this time, the Duke yells at Jake Clemens, uh, if you get cut from here, where are they going to send you? <laughs> Love that. Uh, the Duke hits the Duke with the boot, meaning the, the heel Duke hits the babyface Duke with his boot, and the Bitcoin boys steal a win. Another upset victory. Uh, I think uh, Mikey and Eric are gr- a great heel, shitty weasel team, kind of a la the Fabulous Rougeau brothers. Somebody needs to make them watch a bunch of their shit for, like, more stooging tactics outside of all their fancy maneuvers. Uh, There's two tag teams on the indies right now now called the main event. This team, and there's another one that do kind of like a ringleader and a lion gimmick, right? Yeah. Um, I think this team should change their name from the main event to uh, the longer we're on the indies. Every day we're on the indies is another day that someone's going to see us and sign us. These two guys are amazing. I had seen them before in one of the AIW shows, but I don't really think it was as much as a showcase as this match was for everything that they can do. They got a look. They got a presence. There's not a misstep in anything that they do. Everything they do looks crisp and beautiful and remarkable. They could do dives. They could do power moves. And they're two guys with actual size. And it's not just because they were in there with the Bitcoin boys, who I think are about Taz size (laughs) and... Uh, Evan Weirdster Ambrose physique size, uh, not taking any away from not taking anything away from their muscles, but they're very lean muscles. Where the main event guys here are very much more thick, heavy muscle. Uh, but if these guys are still in the indies in six months, then like I don't know, you're all fucking up. These guys should be signed tomorrow. Yeah, they were on the AIW major announcement show. Yeah, and that's that's where I first saw them. Yeah, yeah. All right, so next up, Matthew Justice versus Levi Everett. Levi, that dastardly heel that he is, uh, cheap shots Justice right off the rip during the handshake, uh, gets hit in his head with his troubles with a door during a dive attempt. Justice ends up going through many doors while diving to the outside. There was an Amish death lock in this, a spine buster through a door. There was a lot of doors going through on this show. I don't know if that's just a common AIW thing or just this once, Joe. Uh, Justice ends up winning doing a Van Terminator. He had attempted to do one earlier and connected, but uh, Levi was not no longer under the door at that point. Uh, but he hits on the second try and uh, gets the win. And also Fonzie was out there, too. I forgot to mention. So this match felt very much like the Kaplan Mance Warner match. And I like this match better. Mm. Um, You don't get a chance to see Levi have these sort of matches. I think he maybe had one somewhere else, but it was a much uh, smaller, less profile show Uh, being in there with Matt justice, who has Fonzie with them, the presentation, um, you know, Matt justice on a lot more shows. Matt justice is known for doing a lot more crazy things. Um, again, this is another one, definitely not an upset, but Levi loses nothing by losing in this match. Um, you know, give me Levi versus Mance, give me Levi versus Kaplan. You know, that's kind of moving 
Levi from, you know, fourth or fifth guy in a scramble match to maybe being more in like your doors and plunder matches in AIW. Yeah. All right, so next semi-main event, Derek Dillinger versus uh, the guy that they named the show after, Danhausen. Um, so, Joe, I'm going to make a confession here, and I don't think this is very out of character for me, those who listen to the show. I have never seen anything more than a still photo of Danhausen. Okay. Never seen a match, never seen an interview. Uh, obviously, a year or so ago when everybody was changing their Instagram or their their Twitter things to Joe Spostohausen and Adam Vanhausen or whatever, I was seeing that, but uh, never made it a point to to go and track down any of his stuff in this gimmick. And uh, uh, I'll give you some thoughts in a second, but uh, Dan Housen right off the rip enlists Terry Runnels, a.k.a. Marlena, as his director to go against kind of to offset Ziggy Heim. And, uh, you know, Dan Housen dances to tequila at one point, which was, uh, you know, like fun, I guess. Uh, Marlena was there doing things, maybe. Uh, Dillinger hits Danhausen with the director's clapper for the win, you know, kind of a surprising thing, but, uh, I guess they have a prior history and, uh, Danhausen ain't going to lose no steam, you know, losing to Derek Dillinger. Uh, the, I just want to say that I guess the match was okay. Housen and, uh, Danhausen was very underwhelming. Housen wasn't impressed. Uh, to enjoy a Danhausen match, I think you have to be invested in the character. Yeah. Know the bits. Uh, be aware of the bits. Um, and again, I, I don't want this to be taken as a negative connotation. I'm just saying it is what it is. Okay. Yeah. Dan Housen is very much a meme wrestler where you could name more memes that you've seen Dan Housen pop up in than you can wrestling moves that he does or good matches that he has. <laughs> But he's not on the card to have good matches, and he's not on the card to do a bunch of fancy moves and shit like that. He's there because he's a very well-established character. He's gotten himself over. He's gotten tons of media exposure just by busting his ass, accentuating his positives, uh, and hiding his negatives. He's a regular Ring of Honor uh, you know, he's the one who brokered his own micro brawler deal. He's the one who got on Conan O'Brien's podcast. He's the one who did these things, but he's also at the end of the day, a very nice guy, a very down to earth family man guy who's very smart about his position of the business, knows what he can do. And again, this was not a match for me, especially coming off last month's show where Derek had those three unbelievable matches. I don't want to say that this was a step backwards for Derek, but this kind of, I think, cements Derek more so as a made guy in AIW toward the top of the card by getting that match with the quote-unquote returning bigger star like a Danhausen. Yep. Okay. All right, so main event time we have for the AIW Absolute and Intense Championship, Joshua Bishop, a.k.a. Stiffy McGee, versus Philly C, Philly Collins. A lot more plunder in this. Uh, Probably the plunder of the first two matches, but, like, add them together and you get pretty much this. Uh, Maybe too much plunder for one show. I don't know. Maybe we should have had two, like, death matches, but I don't know. Uh, Bishop eventually does some kind of overhead choke slam throw, uh, putting Collins through the door. 
uh, for the uh, not for the win, but to go to the finish because Wes Barkley interferes. Uh, there's a save by uh, Marino. Then the Mass Marauder comes out, and the Mass Marauder takes it off, and he's apparently somebody called Mr. Brickster. The match is a no contest. I don't know enough about AIW lore to, to know what's going on there, but uh, it was a fun match until you know it kind of devolved. Right before uh, the pandemic, Brickster did one of the new talent showcases. He's a staple of like the Tennessee area indies. Mm. Uh, he... I think he was on some sort of MTV reality show as well. He was one of the judges on the masked wrestler. Uh, he's another, one of those guys on the come up, but right at the height of the, right before the pandemic hit, he debuted as the third member of the rip city shooters. He did come in for the Indiana show that they did outside last September, but you know, obviously due to travel issues, personal issues, etc. cetera. Um, I don't think he, Brickster was supposed to be the best marauder in Go For Broke, but he was definitely supposed to be the one that stole Philly's money to get him out of contention for the finals for Go For Broke. Mm. So that's them trying to close up that loop of lore on AIW stuff. Uh, Brickster is just a intense looking dude, fits in with Rip City. Uh, love those three guys together. Uh, my only complaint about this match is it should have been shorter. I know it's the main event. I know it's for both titles. Um, but Philly is primarily a tag team wrestler. That should have been stressed a lot more. And there should have been a lot more of uh, Josh eating him up at every chance he can get. With Philly getting those little mountain comebacks. And then once he was rocking and rolling, that's when everybody else does their run-ins. And then it set up the six-man for WrestleRager, which I still haven't gotten a chance to see. But again, of course, I'm sure it was a madhouse. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's it for the show. I, I did enjoy it. Um, I think I'm, I'm coming around a lot on AIW. I really like the commentary. I'm starting to get more of the people, you know, I'm, you know, obviously you see a lot of guys for the first time or the second time. You're like, OK, whatever. Uh, but as you see them more and more, you start to, you know, just kind of get their tendencies and appreciate what they do. Uh, I definitely think that, God forbid, if I li I lived in the Ohio area, uh, you know, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. But if I did live in Ohio, I would go to like every AEW show, you know, at least the ones at like the Odeon or uh, maybe not the the crazy backyard ones. But <laughs> I do, I I have enjoyed it. Obviously, this is two AIW shows in a row that I've enjoyed. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to make it a point to maybe check out a couple more. I'm not going to say I'm going to watch every one. You know, I'm not going to go crazy. But uh Definitely pick out the big ones going forward. Now, I will say this. Uh, next week's show, uh, Sunny Days, is streaming live on the award-winning uh, Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. Mm. Uh, I already kind of tiptoed and, and mentioned some of the matches here uh, that have been announced so far. Uh, we've got 9 to 5, which is Jack Verville and Lewis Linden taking on members only, which is a new student team that actually debuted at the Carnival Show's this is their first big match event. Uh, to Infinity and Beyond, Colin and Cheech taking on PB Smooth and Jocelyn Navarro. Uh, Lee Moriarty taking on Anthony Green, recently of 205 Live. And in a uh, four-corner flippy-do match, uh, Matt Cross, Gringo Loco, Chase Oliver, and Alex Zane, also just recently released from uh, World Wrestling Entertainment 205 Live. 
So a lot of debuts, a lot of big matches. I'm sure more to come. Again, only four matches announced. This is streaming live on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium next Friday night. I will be watching this. Adam gets to assign the homework next week. But again, watch this too. Mm -hmm. And who knows? Maybe my homework will be AIW. All right. Let's maybe, cross our fingers. Yeah. Maybe Adam thought he had to assign homework this week and maybe he was going to assign Wrestle Rager. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> maybe Adam has a screenshot of that from Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium app. I don't know. I. <laughs> <laughs> uh so let's get some plugs out of the way. Uh, mentioned Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. I was just talking to Jerry today. Uh, he's doing well. Says hi to everyone. Um, use the promo code at odds if you're a new subscriber. It doesn't get you any free days or nothing, but it just lets Jerry know that you came to him from us. Um, T Public is having a sale. Head over to the Mothership uh, front page for all of our stuff there. Tinyurl.com slash Heroes. 35% off. Get those at odds with wrestling, get those final wrestling plays, get those Jingle Meister, get those Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes after dark inspired designs and everything from shirts to cell phone covers to notebooks to everything in between. Uh, that's 35% off from now until Tuesday. Uh, if you haven't gotten a chance, be sure to sign up for the soon to be named network wide uh, NFL pigskin pickums. Uh, the link for that will be in the show notes for this episode. And if you float around, I think Joey from Kayfabe Collectibles is uh, running one uh, himself. So if you're going to sign up for if you've already signed up for his, sign up for ours. If you've signed up for ours, sign up for his. Uh, if you haven't signed up for either, then what the hell is your problem? Um, I'm just looking to see if I recognize any names. Um, again, it's more so from the comic book side. I do see that King Marcus has oh. him into the, uh, the play. So that's someone to keep your eyes on, you know, I signed up as well, right after we recorded last week. Are you not Al Borland? Oh no, that's no. probably Tim. I <laughs> uh, get jokes. Uh, where are you? No Azrael names here. What's wrong with you? Oh, I, I, fancy. There you go. I was going to say, how do you not see me? It's, I think it's all in caps, too. <laughs> yeah, I was looking alphabetically. Oh, yeah. All right, fair enough. Uh, so that, of course, also in the show notes of every episode, be sure to check our uh, Amazon link. Make any and all of your purchases there. Uh, save it to your favorites. Does not cost you anything extra. Uh, Amazon calls it an advertising fee. I call it a thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month. When he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. yeah. And uh, let me see. <laughs> uh, notable purchase in the last couple days. Uh, somebody purchased a 1080p webcam. Oh, nice. Maybe yeah, they're somebody not screwing around. Somebody who's building up a computer setup. Maybe they just forgot uh -huh. to get a webcam last time. Maybe. Yeah. Or sometimes things ship at different times because Amazon's weird like that. Yeah, well, cool. And is there anything else? There's this, there's this, there's this, there's this. No, I think you have a bunch of podcasts to name, huh? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, everyone go and check out my appearance on IWTV Guide. They'll get top billing this week because they did the right thing and they put me on their show. Uh, but other podcasts to listen to, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes, After Dark, Final Wrestling Place, we Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Wrestling Cheers, Between the Sheets, The House Show Podcast, Viewer's Choice, 
Pod Van Dam, Hellions Talks, The A Show, and the upcoming, actually upcoming, it released today as we record this, the brand new show from the Jingle Meister himself. And as you mentioned at the top of the show, featuring friend of the show, The Boar, check out the first episode of Hit My Music. Uh, I have some ideas. I have some inside track on who some of those upcoming guests are. And uh, it is some of the biggest names in independent wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the Jingle Meister was on uh, Final Wrestling Place this week and kind of tipped off a couple of them as well. So go if you want uh, to get that Joe Sposto-like scoop without texting Joe, go listen to Final Wrestling Place. Well, I think there's even one or two that happened after his appearance on Final Wrestling Place. One is locked in. And the other one, it's only been four days, and he hasn't responded to the text, so that's not out of the ordinary for him. Ooh, I, based on that description alone, I think <laughs> I know who you mean. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, check all those out. Like I said, those will all, a lot of those shows will show up on Soon To Be Net, Named Network anytime we show up anywhere else. And, hey, when are you uh, and Brett doing your episode of The A Show? Uh, the, that battle will finally be recorded uh allegedly allegedly on september 13th so uh obviously the a show is a little kabuki-ish with when they record versus when they release stuff uh so it should be out relatively shortly after that uh they're gonna have to edit out all the sobbing that tim's gonna do after i kick his ass in the draft and uh (laughs) but uh yeah so that's coming up we will finally have myself versus tim taylor versus brett uh from we need wrestling and uh, we will be doing WCW 2000, uh, probably the best era of WCW. And I'm looking forward to just the ass kicking that I'm going to give out indiscriminately in that show. I know Young Ed is coming up on here soon, too. I forget what he's doing. I don't know. I think they, uh, based on the title, like maybe that was recorded this week already and you know, hasn't yet come out. I don't know. I'm speculating. They're, right. Ed's doing 97 WWF. Oh, just so he could take Dude Love with his number one pick. He better take Dude Love as his number one pick. <laughs> now, I'll just say this. I'm not going to sway things. I know Ed. Ed's like, do you want to know who I'm going to pick? And I'm like, no, no, I want it to be a surprise. Oh, yeah. Uh, but if I'm Ed, I'm picking all three faces of Foley. Oh, I mean, I think that's fair game, right? You don't even have to announce it because you could just pick one of them and then you can switch them. But can you? Oh, See, I feel like there's no, this is how I operate. There's no rule explicitly forbidding it. So it's in a gray area and it's easier to ask forgiveness than permission. All right. (laughs) Fair enough. As someone who's uh, gone fast and loose with the rules of the A show, I think it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I think that's everything for the main show, right? Yeah, we got to get into weekly purchases. Wrap this shit up. It's getting late. (laughs) All right. We started late. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> now, so Joe, I got a bunch of purchases. I got like five things. I, I You were saying that, and I'm kind of shocked. I'm going to let you go first, and we'll just alternate. How about that? All right. So we're going to go in order, okay? All right. Uh, so it was discussed and floated on last week's episode, but I did bite the bullet, and I did order the Amazon Fire Stick. Okay. Yep. Yep. And with the... Uh, uh, points that I had on my Amazon Visa, I think it ended up being free. There you go. So uh, I did bother, bother Adam on Saturday night when it came in to get everything set up, and uh, I'm loving it. My kids loving it. My wife can give two shits. 
<laughs> and uh, everything regarding the, uh, the 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 modifications that I helped you with, everything going smoothly there? Yeah, we're working on it. Uh, okay. We're working on it. All right, fair enough. Let me know if you need anything uh, beyond that. But uh, yeah, yeah. All right, I'll go over to mine. And you know what, Joe? This is a rare thing. I actually made a practical home purchase that isn't a toy or a comic or a card. And I needed a new modem. Uh, I didn't need it so much as the modem that I had. Uh, I was kept on getting emails from Xfinity saying that uh, my modem wasn't capable of delivering the speeds that I was getting. Uh, and I needed to uh, upgrade to like a Doxus 3.0 modem. So uh, rather than just going and getting, okay, you know, this this middling modem here will do the job. Uh, you know, I, I know a guy who knows a guy who works in the importing and exporting business. So I bought a, a Netgear Nighthawk multi-gigabit modem that's capable of like something like 3,000 megabits per second. Uh, so I got a crazy one that's like an alien looking body to it. It doesn't look like a modem, but uh, uh, I have yet to hook it up just because I didn't know uh, if I messed up, if I would be unable to record this podcast this week. So uh, I, after we're done here, maybe tomorrow I'll set that up. But yeah, I made a home purchase, a practical one. I have a home. Uh, I have, uh, Most of mine are practical home purchases, but we'll get into it here. Uh, so Adam, as you may know, uh, I am an old man. Uh, I am an analog old man. And all my notes that I do for all the shows, I write everything down by hand. You yeah, know? You're, like, you're like the killer in seven. Yes. Um, so all my notes that I have for everything, I'm starting to run out of this tablet, you know? Yeah. And my wife took it the other day because we couldn't find any other tablets in the house and she needed a tablet to write something down. My kid just returned to school. So I ordered like a 10 pack of mead single, you know, like single subject, 70 page notebooks for the uh. family, but mostly for me. Cause this one's running thin and I don't want people stealing shit out of it. <laughs> Oh, exciting stuff. Like it. Oh, yeah. It's going to get better. <laughs> We're going to end you... big. We're going to end big. Okay. Fair enough. All right, Joe. I purchased a GameStop exclusive Funko Pop of Degeneration X Shawn Michaels uh, with the cowboy hat and the dodgy eye and everything. <laughs> you know, I saw that get announced and I was going to send that into our private. Uh, chat that you and I have. Yeah. And I was going to make fun of you knowing that you were going to buy it. But then I'm like, oh, I don't want to make fun of Adam to his face <laughs> privately. I want to make fun of Adam to his face publicly about this. Boy, that's an ugly looking thing. And it, it sucks. Sure, it sure is. But I have the other two Shawn Michaels Funko Pops. And now I have all three. I have uh, like the uh, 95, like sexy boy Shawn Michaels, like the, the Sherry Martell era. And then there was one of them during his like, uh, you know, his his Jesus Bible thumper era. And this is his, uh, you know, whatever the the DX one. I can't wait till Bald Sean Funko comes out. Next Saudi show it'll be out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so if you listen to the other shows uh, that I do, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark specifically, uh, we record on Tuesday as we were preparing for the Hurricane Ida to come through here. Uh, luckily, uh, we did not get hit where we are, but across the street did. Uh, but in preparation for such, my wife and I did go out and buy a new pump. Uh, we did have a pump from 10 years ago when we did actually get flooded out, but we're like, we should get another one just in case. 
Uh, so that was a $170 purchase that we did not need, but it has been making the rounds through the neighborhood who did get, you know, some of the other neighbors that got two feet in their basement. Oh. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So it's the community <laughs> pump now. There you go. They all chipping in? <laughs> That's not my department. Oh, fair enough. All right. So I, last week, uh, right after we were done recording, I, as I often do, jumped into the major Facebook Patreon group Facebook page. And uh, during the Thursday night flea market, I might have made a little bit of a deal ski on something, Joe. Oh, and, boy. And that was uh, some of the, the missing pieces of my budding micro brawler collection. And this was the uh, Matt and Brian solo micro brawlers that were sold only on their like their big cartel websites like their cardona merch and myers merch websites so it's the uh the same mold as the matt and brian uh brawlers that was in the four pack but it was with the different paint scheme and they only came autographed i don't know if you've seen those i'll shoot you a message over when a little bit with it um but yeah so these were the only matt and brian brawlers that i didn't have uh, until this alleged five pack comes out that's going to be hard to get and uh i paid a couple two tree bucks for this uh for the pair uh but i did pay a lot less than the going rate on ebay so i'm happy uh but it was a big boy purchase it was a it was a lot of money for two micro brawlers i'm glad i'm not as bit by the, so you're event you're gonna get to a point where you're gonna need to downside downsize your micro brawlers right <laughs> Well, they're very small, so they don't take up a lot of space. But. Yeah, um, like I, I, I got the, I, I did the pre-order on the Terry Funk one a couple months back. Yeah, and I'm good. Um, I got my one Brian. I hemmed and hawed on the fucked up version of Brian, mm. but I'm like, I got one. I'm good. I don't need every Brian. I don't need any Broski. I don't need the rest of them. You know? Yeah. I don't need Matt's dad. <laughs> Well, that's your loss, buddy. Certainly is. <laughs> uh, so my next purchase is my kid has returned to school, as mentioned. He's at a new physical school. The way that uh, the schooling is done in my area, there's like one building that's like kindergarten and first, another building that's uh, second and third, another building that's fourth, fifth, and sixth, and then the high school, seventh and up. He just got into the 4th, 5th, and 6th building, and it's his first year with a locker to put his stuff in, right? Oh, yeah. um, So they, the kids were told that they can't put stickers or anything else like that uh, on their lockers, but they're allowed to put magnets on their locker. And after my kid asked me how magnets work, uh, I ordered him <laughs> a bunch of magnets uh, from this game called Friday Night Funkin'. Adam, are you aware of Friday Night Funkin'? <laughs> no, I have no idea what that is. Uh, so it was essentially like a freeware game that the developers kind of put out. Um, and there's tons of different mods and everything else like this. Uh, but it's a music game, uh, very much akin to a Parappa the Rapper type music rhythm game. Okay. Uh, but it's one of the kids, you know, my kid goes through phases for games. And I will say it's a lot of really cool designs. He picked out a bunch of sticker or uh, magnets. And those are coming in so he can decorate his locker and, like, you know, feel like a big kid. Oh, cool. Nice. All right. Uh, my last thing, Joe, is uh, we talked about this before. We talked about a certain opportunity 
that had arisen before regarding a certain Colonel Mustafa elite figures. Uh, I was on a toy hunt this past Tuesday. As you mentioned before, I have a lot of success on Tuesdays. Three Tuesdays in a row, Adam has cleaned up in northeastern Pennsylvania on fucking Colonel Mustafa's, on fucking chase figures, on all this fucking shit. Makes yeah, me I mean, hot. Well, I'm sitting for- here. Well, I'm sitting here slaving away, working. You're out cherry picking the targets in the and in, in, in the Walmart's of the area. Oh, I'll take all of these chases, but I'll I'll just leave one for some for for a poor to come by and maybe pick one up. <laughs> all right, first things first. Yes, I do a lot of my my doll safaris on Tuesday, and for whatever reason, your area has been pretty hot lately. So shame on you for not getting out there and and, and just uh get beat me to it. But I want to say I went to the uh the Wilkes Bear Walmart. And I have never seen, I texted you this, I've never seen so many WWE Elite figures in one retail store. Now, granted, it was it was the same eight figures over and over and over again, but there had to be like a hundred of them. You know, it was the most well-stocked and it was this Survivor Series series. Um, but I had seen, I was like, oh, I'm going to look, I know there's a chase in this series, which one is it? So I look it up on ringside and it's the Triple H and the Triple H has red trunks. So I look up, oh, this Triple H has red trunks. And I look, this Triple H has red trunks. This Triple H has red trunks. There was like something like four or five Triple H's and they were all chases. And there wasn't a single non-chase. And I snapped a picture of that and I was just like, wow, this is ridiculous. I didn't end up buying one. But it was just funny that like every single Triple H figure that was there was the chase. But what I did end up doing, I went to the Wilkes-Barre. Uh, I'm drawing a blank target and there was a Colonel Mustafa sitting on the peg. And I did promise a friend of the show and my favorite indie, uh, indie wrestling commentator, Kevin Ford, that, uh, if I found another Mustafa, I would hook him up. So I, I did give him that. And I decided on my way home to hit up my local target here in Scranton. And there were eight fucking Colonel Mustafas on the pegs. It was like an entire case's worth of these. And I didn't know what to do. I bought two. And then I was like, why did I buy these two Mustafa figures? And I went home and I was like, why did I buy those? And then I thought to myself, why didn't I buy more of them? (laughs) So I ended up going back. And, like, the remaining six were still there, and I just bought, like, three more. Uh, so I ended up with a total of five. Uh, I I, know, I could have easily bought all of them, but I'm like, when is this going to end? <laughs> you know? You know, so I, was ta- I was talking to a guy on Tuesday who said, I'm not going to nickel and dime them all for $35 shipped. Waste <laughs> of my time. Yeah. Uh, well, whoever that is, he sounds like a short-sighted individual. Um, but one, as I said, one of them went to Kevin Ford. I did uh, sell one for thirty-five ship to Sal Licata, you know, the the guy like on all New York sports radio and stuff like that. So I just knew he was in New York, so I was like, uh, I'm not gonna have to worry about this thing costing me fifteen bucks a ship. It'll be cheap. I decided to keep one of them, Joe. Just because I was worried that when the Sergeant Slaughter Iraqi sympathizer figure comes out in a couple months, I might want that. And then I'd be like really itchy that I don't have a Mustafa to go with it. 
So for at least a couple months, I'm going to keep one in the collection. And then I took the remaining two that I had left and I put them up in the major pod group. I tried a couple times. There weren't really any biters. A lot of people trying to buy them off me. But uh, like I said, I don't necessarily want to just sell them all and make like three, five dollars, whatever. Um, so I, I put up offers for trades and somebody asked me what I was looking for. He actually wanted both of them. And I told him that I am looking for elites from more than a year or two ago, you know, because obviously anything that came out in the last year or so, if I wanted it, I have it, you know, just from fig hunts and whatnot. Um, so I said, you know, a couple year old elites or ultimates. And he's like, oh, I have this ultimate, this ultimate, this one, you know, and then he's like, I'll give you two ultimates for the two Mustafas. So I ended up basically taking uh, recently in stores, but now kind of hard to find the Macho Man ultimate and the Edge ultimate. And we're just going to do a straight up trade for the two Mustafas for those two ultimates. Are you going to have a mid box ultimate? Uh, well, I may or may not already have like six or seven. Somebody told me they're a great investment, Joe, and he's never wrong about these things. <laughs> no, he never is. <laughs> oh, all right. So my ultimate collection, I, I just off the top of my head, I have the Fiend. I have Ric Flair. Uh, I do have the NWO Hogan. Um, I pre-ordered the WrestleMania Ultimate Warrior. I ordered the Walmart exclusive uh, Hulkamania Hogan. Then I have these two coming in. I have the Stone Cold Steve Austin. Plus, I have the three that are going to be in the the Mattel uh, Creations ring. I'm, I'm not going to go back and buy, like, the $200 ones. Okay. But if I, if I see an Ultimate on the shelf, like, when that the, the Kane and Undertaker ones come out, you know, the Kane with the big red cape, if I see them in a store, I'll probably buy them, you know? Why not? Famous last words on those $200 ones is all I'm saying. <laughs> well, you know, it's, I was about to say, it's not like there's any wrestlers that I like, you know, other than Shawn Michaels and Finn Balor. And <laughs> but uh, no, I'm not dropping $200 on a figure. Uh, I'll never do that. That's just crazy talk, Joe. <laughs> so last but not least, um, you know, obviously we had the announcements a couple months ago, weeks ago, whatever, of like a lot of the future sets that are coming out for WB figures. Yeah. And just this past week, ringside put up the pre-orders for elite series 90. And at the time it was announced, things were different than they are today. And, uh, I, I pre-ordered the Bronson Reed, uh, from elite 90. Okay. Uh, I was always a fan of his work in NXT, but I was kind of like, nah, you know, I'm going to stick to my Mick Foley's, your Terry Funk's, your people like that, unless somebody really knocks my socks off or whatever it was. Uh, but like I said, especially toward the end of his run, going to the North American title, the emotion that he showed with his character, the matches that he had. And, and again, of course, him unfortunately getting released and getting to kind of see what kind of person he really is, getting a chance to see a little bit more of him, what he allows to be out there just on social media. I'm like, I enjoyed his stuff. He seems like a nice guy. The guys I like seem to like him. I'm going to pre-order that figure. I'm not going to have time to be putzing around, fighting at stores like everybody else does. You do your big boy purchases your way. You're your adult collecting your way. I do my adult collecting my way. If I could pre-order it from ringside, I'm going to do that so I don't have to go fighting stores, hunting stuff around. 
I do my dull safaris from a chair in my office. <laughs> I can see your point, and I obviously it's nice to just basically be done with it. Uh, my concern with ringside it's becoming worse and worse when it comes to just them not giving a fuck with just sending just figures in super small boxes that have been stomped on. And you couple that with my, the quality of my postal deliverer, you know, it's just a bad combination. Um, so I try to avoid ringside unless it's an AEW figure that I just will never see in a store or okay. unless, unless it's an exclusive ringside figure, you know, cause they get their exclusives, but I feel like the normal elites, you know, with as much uh, doll safari as I do, I will see them out in the wild. And I agree with you. That is an awesome fig with like the ba- the Bam Bam Bigelow style uh, attire. And when that was announced, I agree. I probably would have passed on it. But if I see it out and about, I will grab that. Yeah. Uh, and I will absolutely grab the newly uh, like properly photographed Kushida figure. You know, that looks awesome, too. Right. I need that. So you mentioned about ringside, but just to walk it back a second, as this episode comes out to many of your ears, we are at one year since the pre-order for the Matt and Brian Super 7 figures happened. A year to the day. Any day now. Well, they did send something out saying that they are scheduled to ship um, from the factory in October. Yeah. Which means with delays from overseas shipping that they should be here by Christmas, hopefully. (laughs) Now, they, Brian and Matt, have been very transparent about this, that they've been very micromanaging these figures. You know, um, you know, the hair needs to be this or the gear needs to have this or make me a little bit more jacked or whatever it is. (laughs) Why would Brian say that? Well, I didn't say Brian said that. Oh, you know, Um, (laughs) so. Ringside, on the other hand, I did order the Orange Cassidy figures from them. And as more AEW figures comes out, your Brody Lee figures, your Eddie Kingston figures, and so forth, I'll be ordering them. Yeah. I have the Bronson Reed one. I have the Cactus Jack one, which got delayed again, which we didn't talk about last week because I wanted to kind of let it smooth over. Because mm-hmm. uh, you were hot about it last week. I don't want to bring up the Fiend Christmas pop getting canceled either, but I just did. Well, it didn't get canceled to me yet. Oh, not yet. Nope, not yet. Still might happen. Uh, But we'll see how that cactus comes from Ringside Collectibles, you know? Uh, That cactus is like a fancy special done box just for him. And uh, like I said, I know you've had a little less luck with Ringside than I have. I've only had the one thing with the Orange Cassidy where the ones that I came in, you saw them. You know, mine looked better than yours. I traded you one of mine since I was going to open it anyway, and I did. Um, but I got my fingers crossed that the cactus is going to come in, uh, decent enough shape that I could put it mint in box up on the shelf. Absolutely. And, uh, we won't cover it, uh, right now, but hopefully next week I will be talking about a weekly purchase of something that goes on sale tomorrow at noon, 1130 for Patreon members. Oh boy. Well, <laughs> don't check your direct messages. Oh, I, I, Kevin Ford is about an hour too late that the thing he messaged us about. It had happened before we went on the air. Okay. Yeah. But hopefully, fingers crossed, 1130, I'll be in the trenches. Good luck to you. Hey, thanks. I'll get you one, and you can just pay me back later. No, I'm good. I don't need one. (laughs) All right, Joe. If I'm going to get one of those, I'm getting two of those. Oh, okay. What are you going to do with the other one? 
I'm going to shit on one and then <laughs> use the other one to smash the shit down onto it and make it the shit sandwich that it is. Oh, all right. Fair enough. My review of that new item is similar to Spinal Tap, the review that Spinal Tap's shark sandwich got, which was essentially shit sandwich. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, so that's everybody. It. <laughs> that's it. All right. Big show, late show. Sorry uh, for the ranting and the, the feelings and the everything else like that, but that's what wrestling does to us, I think. Uh, thanks for bearing with us. Thanks for listening to episode 154, At Odds with Wrestling. For Adam, this is Joe. Again, be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.